Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. In uh, case this is your first week, or maybe you just missed last week, we, uh, we started a series last week, just two weeks, and we've been talking about the tension that can be felt between work and family. Anybody have any clue to what I'm talking about? You feel that, that tension that can exist. And, and there's tension because there's so many things that are competing for our most valuable resource, which is our... Absolutely. There is work. I mean, you know, as far as I know, at least the first service, everybody raised their hand and said they had to work. We had nobody that was independently wealthy and said, I hadn't worked in years, don't have to. Oh, life's good. We're not that church. <laughs> I'm just telling it like it is, right? So we're, we're not that church. So you, and you feel that tension. You've got to get up. You've got to go to work because you want to provide for the people that you love, right? <clears throat> but then there's the people that you love. And they deserve your time. <laughs> and you're trying. Then you got hobbies. Anybody got any hobbies? Some of y'all thinking, hobbies? Who are you kidding? I don't have time for a hobby. And then there's your health. You know, and sometimes when you're young, you don't think you have to worry about that. And then somewhere along the lines, you kind of get to a certain age and you realize that you have some health issues all because you really haven't paid any attention to your... And so somebody's looking at you now and saying, you know what, I know you got to work... <clears throat> I know you got a family that you got to take care of, but you got to go to the gym. You got to run five miles a day. You got to eat lettuce for the rest of your life. I mean, you know, life as you know it is over. And so you're thinking, okay, now I've got to do all this. How in the world am I going to find the time to do all of these things? To give, to give each the time that demands or deserves would require more time than any of us have. So we cheat. <clears throat> We give up certain, certain opportunities for the sake of others. And I say they're opportunities. For most of us, it's not really choosing, you know, something that's really, really bad for, you know, with something really, really good. It's not, that's not really the choice. The choice is, is having really good choices. And how in the world, how do I balance that? It's tough. We invest in some relationships while neglecting others. This is the one that, that I think I struggle with the most. Anybody, anybody else? Because you have a lot of people in your life that you love. And so you want to give every one of those people the time that they deserve, right? They deserve your time. And somewhere along that, though, somebody's going to get left out. Somebody's going to feel like, well, you know what? These people are like at the top of your list, and I'm way down here somewhere. Boo-hoo for me. And they feel left out. And they feel unloved. So we have to cheat something or someone because there's only so much time in a day. So who's going to get cheated? And that's the tension that we started talking about last week. And we started to look at this Old Testament guy, this guy by the name of Daniel. This is Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel. And so even if you're like brand new to church, chances are really good. You've probably heard that story somewhere along the lines. And if you remember from last week, it was about 605 B.C. when the Babylonians invaded Jerusalem. <clears throat> Here's the interesting thing. <clears throat> the Babylonians were a major power. And it wasn't uncommon for a major power when they went in to destroy maybe a smaller company, uh, a country, that they would entirely kill them, destroy them 
annihilate them from the face of the earth. But they decided, we're not going to kill Israel. We're going to humiliate them. And we're going to humiliate them by destroying their identity and their culture. So they made Israel a slave state. And as part of the process, they handpicked the best of the best of the young men. And when I say the best of the best, I mean, we're talking about the most talented, the most gifted, the most gifted, the smartest. Those that were really, they looked at and they said, you have a great potential for leadership. You are a leader. You're a natural leader. We want to develop your leadership skills and the best looking. And all the ugly people said, boo on that. I mean, why do the pretty people of the world have to win, right? I got y'all last week and you don't know this week to say amen or what. You don't know what to do with that, do you? So as part of that process, they ship these young guys off to be immersed in this Babylonian culture and to turn them into little Babylonians. And Daniel was amongst the best of the best. And everything was going really, really good until the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. So in case you missed last week, so the Babylonians worshipped these pagan gods and they worshipped the pagan gods through the offerings of, of meat and wine. And then what would happen is, is the leftovers would be eaten by the king and his court as a, as a gesture of their loyalty to their pagan gods. And by eating the food, here's what they were saying. By eating the food, they were attributing their gods to giving them power and to giving them uh, smarts and resources. Everything they had, they said, we're eating this and we're gonna, we just want to praise you through it all to say you're the one that's given us everything that we have. Everything was going good with Daniel. He said, you know what? You can change my culture. I don't care. I mean, really, just read the story. He said, you know what? You can, you can cut my hair. You can dress me up differently. You can give me another language to speak. You can do anything you want to, but the one thing I will not do is I will not defy my king. He said, I don't think so, Skippy. It ain't happening. It's kind of in the Hebrew if you look at it. Skippy, it's kind of there. And so, so really what it came down to was Daniel had a decision to make. There were two parties who wanted something from him, and he could not. It was absolutely impossible to satisfy the demands of both. So, he would either give the visible king, King Nebuchadnezzar, what he expected, or he could give the invisible king, God, what he deserved. And I use two different terms. <clears throat> to give one what he expected, to give the other what he deserved because he said, your gods have nothing to do with my giftedness. Have absolutely nothing to do with that. So my God deserves my worship. He deserves my allegiance. I'm going to serve your God. Forget you. There was no way to satisfy both. He would either violate his conviction, and we talked about conviction last week. And, and so we are spring well, and so conviction for a lot of people means that's a life sentence or something. I, I don't, think, think about it. Some of y'all get that. Some of y'all won't. If you've been to prison, if you'll, if you'll share that with those that have not. He can either violate his conviction, and a conviction is a deeply held belief. He could violate his conviction and hope that God would understand. And I imagine, like, he, had, he would have a pretty, good, a pretty good argument with God, don't you think? Like, he could go to God and say, God, 
Whoa, like if so, if, if I violate, you know, if I don't give the king what he expects, then like he might kill me or something. Like he might behead me. And, and God, you've given me all these gifts, you've given me all these talents, you've given me all these abilities, and what good, what use will I be to you if I'm dead? Y'all buying this? And so he can say, God, God, and, and, and hey, what about my family? I mean, who's going to take care of my family? And so now you'll have to provide for my family, but if I'm here and you've given me these gifts and I can use my gifts, I'm just saying maybe you would understand the pinch I'm in. i got to have a job. Or he could violate the king's expectations and hope that the Babylonians would understand. And really, that's where a lot of us are. We're somewhere between what the boss expects and what our families deserve. We're maybe, maybe we're somewhere between what our boss expects and what our God deserves. And for many of us, there's just no way that we can satisfy both. And there's that tension. What am I going to do? How am I going to navigate this? So Daniel... I love this verse. So Daniel resolved. There's another translation that says he decided. There's another translation that says he determined. He resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. Before he knew what the outcome was going to be. I think that's awesome. He said, I know what my convictions are. So I don't, it's not like I have to pray about it. It's not like I have to say, God, lead me, show me what to do. I mean, like it was really crystal clear from him, from God's perspective, exactly what he had to do. And so he knew what his conviction was before he knew what the outcome was going to be. He made a decision before he knew even what his solution was going to be to the problem. I don't know how I'm going to handle this. I mean, like, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do about it, but I will not abandon my allegiance to God. I know I'm certain on that. That's kind of where we left off last week. So, I told y'all last week, you know, and I'm honestly, I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm as serious as I know how to be. I thought, I wonder if anybody will show up this week. I mean, I really did because I, I could feel the heaviness in the room last week. I really could. This, this is what, you know, there's, there's times over the years when there's certain subject matters that I can preach on. And honestly, I feel more spiritual warfare on those subjects than any other subjects. I preached on hell several times. It's always tough when you preach on that. There are other subjects, matters. And really when I preached on this one, I thought, Lord, why, why is there such agony over this? Why do I feel the stress and the strain and the warfare? It's tough. So maybe last week you made up your mind. Maybe you did. Maybe you said, forget that. He's crazy. Probably a lot of people said he's crazy. Well, you say that every week that I'm crazy, so that's nothing new. So maybe you've committed that you're going to stand by your convictions. Convictions. That you have a conviction. That there's a lot of things you don't know, and you can't quote every verse, every chapter, every reference to everything that you believe. But one of the things you know is that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You know that one. If you don't know anything else, and you think, you know what, I'm defined God. <clears throat> I know that my family is important. I know that I'm, so I'm have this deeply held conviction to put God and my family first. So, you're going to start cheating work. How's that one? 
Now, when I say cheating work, I'm not talking about deceiving or lying or defrauding your work. I'm not talking about going into work and, and, and literally not working. I'm not talking about cutting out early. I'm not talking about like, you know, you leave early and get somebody to clock you out later. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm not talking about lying or cheating or defrauding. But you have a decision to make. It's either God and my family or it's work. So how do you go about convincing your employer to lighten up? Well, let me say this. You should write this down and say I said it very, very carefully. Did you get the second very? I only have one in my notes, but I'm looking at it thinking there should be two. Very, very carefully. And I bet you're thinking you've lost your stupid mind. Now, I know you love me. So you didn't say stupid. You just said mind. Well, hang on and let's watch how Daniel handles his problem. Because this is awesome. And it's going to be awesome because you're going to be able to take a passage out of the Old Testament that's going to be applicable to your life today. It's awesome. <clears throat> but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to him by the king. So guess what he did? He asked. He asked the chief of staff for permission <clears throat> not to eat the unacceptable food. So the first thing that Daniel did was to go right up to the person in charge. And he decided that what he would do would be he would address the issue head on. So my first point is really simple. How do you do it? You ask. Because that's what Daniel did. He, he asked. Are you all out there? He asked. He didn't attempt to deceive the king's official. He didn't do that. He didn't stage a hunger strike. He asked for permission. He didn't demand. It's interesting. He did not demand. Look at the, look at the language. Look at the Hebrew any way you want to. He did not go in and throw down the, 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 the spiritual gauntlet and say, I will not. That's not what he did. He didn't demand. He didn't make any threats. He just asked. So I think it's really important that you understand that the goal is not to go into work with guns a-blazing, riding in on your white Christian horse, telling everybody else and your boss that Jesus and your family are first and they can kiss your spiritual behind and turn it that way. I'm just saying that's not the goal. That's not the goal. Underline this next statement. Underlined it in my notes. And I put, I put a little something outside it. Making a stand. Taking a stand. From a spiritual standpoint, doesn't mean that we have to be a jerks. You, you don't have to be a jerk to do it. Y'all out there? Because I don't think that we, we either know not taking a stand or taking a stand and being a jerk taking a stand. It's like it's the only thing we know how to do. The goal is to negotiate your way into a more manageable and flexible schedule. Daniel knew how to be dogmatic and diplomatic at the same time. 
this is awesome. He wasn't going to compromise his convictions. He did not compromise his convictions. But he wasn't going to go in there and say it's my way or the highway either. He was unbending, and then this, this, I wrote this word, and yet humble. He was humble. Wow, there's such a difference there. Sometimes we as followers of Jesus can come across as being so arrogant. Like we're the only ones with the corner on truth. And like we're looking down our self-righteous nose at the rest of the world. Y'all with me? Have you, have you known any of those people? Because I have. That's not how he handled himself. He was unshakable, and yet he was sensitive. He asked. And I know what some of y'all are thinking, because I know you so well, because I love you so much. You're thinking, you don't know my boss, right? Come on. That's what you're thinking. You don't know my boss. You going to go to work with me tomorrow when I have this conversation? No. <laughs> I don't know your boss either. He might be mean. I have to call some of my boys. I'm just saying Ain't, you're probably thinking, there ain't no way he or she would ever sit down and talk to me about reducing my hours so that I can give my family more time. And here's, listen, you're right. I don't know your boss, but I do know my God. Hello. And here's what I know. When God's at, at work on your behalf, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what temperament your boss has. I love verse 9. Now, God had given the chief of staff both respect, man, both respect and what? What? For Daniel. Here's what I know. You know what? This does not work in a vacuum. God gave Daniel in favor with his boss but there were some things that Daniel did on his part that caused his boss to say, you know what, when you speak, I'll listen. So, so his boss obviously knew that, you know what, when this man walks, he walks in love. He's not self-centered. He's not self-righteous. He's not focusing on himself. But when he walks into a room, he actually is thinking about others. And I'll tell you another thing about Daniel. He gives you... A, day, a, a day's work for a day's wage. I mean, he has a work ethic. And I'm telling you, when he walks into the room and when he speaks to me, I know that I'm going to be a part of his consideration. And I know that he's a worker. I'm going to listen to what he has to say. I don't think that God worked out of a void. I should have underlined this in my notes. We should never expect the blessings of God if we violate the principles of God. That's good right there, isn't it? Some of y'all should have said, preach it. I know y'all don't know how to do that. So Yeah, that's what our people would do, right? <clears throat> Let me say it one more time. You should, we should never expect the blessings of God if we violate the principles of God. Listen to me. If we're not loving people, I mean, Jesus made it really simple. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love other people as you love yourself. And Jesus said, you know what? When you look at the rest of the commandments, they can all be boiled down to this. Do it faithfully. Being open and honest is always the right thing to do. It's going to always be the right thing to do. 
And you're going to say, oh, but, 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 but you don't know, and I don't know what the consequence is. It's always the right thing to do. It's never wrong to do the right thing. Now, you want to make sure you prayed up. <laughs> I'm just saying, don't be stupid. You don't want to say, Lord, I thought. He'll say, you never talked to me. You did that on your own, dummy. He'll say that in the most loving way. I tell you, what else you want to do? You, you want to be prayed up, but you want to make sure others are praying for you. I've got some people in my life. Oh, man, listen, these people I can bear my soul to. I can, I can share with them my deepest, darkest sin, and I can go to these people, and I can say, look, i got a situation, and I need somebody to help me pray through this. So I'm going to pray for myself, and I'll tell you what else I'm going to do. I'm going to make sure that i got other people praying for me. And then you proceed with caution. If the answer is no, that's when you get mad and throw stuff down and cuss. No. That's when you just thank your boss for his time. Watch, listen, and you go back to work. You go back to work. Now's not the time to bow up and make threats. Why? Because what you want to do is you want to give God an opportunity to work. So you want to say, you know what, I did the right thing, Lord. I mean, it didn't go well. You know what? I mean, like he didn't say, yeah, you're awesome. Sure, let's cut your work down to 20 hours a week and I'll pay you for 40. I mean, nothing really happened here like I thought it would. There's no God moment. Give God an opportunity to work. Take your hands off of it. Let God go to work. So the first thing that Daniel did was he asked. And, and the second thing is, I'm telling you, it's absolutely crucial. He listened. He listened. S say that with me. Whoa. Verse 10, but he responded, he being the chief of staff, he said, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of my Lord the King. He's a powerful man. I mean, I'm afraid of my Lord the powerful King who has ordered that you eat this, uh, this food and wine. If, if you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid, I'm afraid that the King, he'll have me beheaded. Now that's a pretty legit concern, don't you think? That's a pretty big deal. Now, if you're a Christian, you can say, I hate it for you. You should be serving Jesus. Then you'd be ready to meet, to meet your maker. That's, that, that's, not, that's not the time to make that comment. That's a legitimate concern. So he listened. And when he did, let me tell you what he learned. He learned that his boss could care less about him serving his God. He wasn't trying to take that away from him. He said, really, at the end of the day, it's about how you look and how you perform. And if you look and thin and you perform poorly, then I want you to know my, literally, my head is on the chopping block. My boss will kill me. And I think it's extremely important, and, and maybe I should have, you know, had more to say about this. He, listen, he listened, and he felt something. Let me tell you what he felt. He felt compassion. 
I tell you what I've learned over the years. You, you can be quick to judge another person. You can watch the 6 o'clock news. You can hear that story. And you're quick to judge somebody until you hear their story, until you know what's behind. And then suddenly you go, wow. You know what? If I had been through what you'd been through, I don't, I don't maybe I would have. He felt compassion. You know what? He listened and he felt compassion. I, I wonder what it would be like. And, and I wrote, this is wrong. I've said, what if, you know, what in the world? I, forget the world. What if, what if we right here, what if we just learned how to listen to each other? I wonder what it would be like if we, if we actually just listened to each other. I mean, I'm going to wonder how many of our problems at home maybe could be fixed if we just learned how to listen to each other. I wonder how many of the problems could be fixed in our country if we could just learn how to listen to each other and then after listening that we could actually feel compassion for people. And I'll tell you what it seems like to me. And what do I know? It seems like to me that everybody's screaming to be heard, but nobody's listening. And when I say nobody's listening, I'm not talking about nobody's listening to the people that are screaming. I'm talking about the people that are screaming aren't listening to anybody else. We're only concerned about our problem. We're only concerned about our perspective. And we want to make sure that everybody knows that we're right and the rest of the world is wrong. And I wonder how that would change if we just stopped and listened to one another. That if we said, you know what, could we just maybe do lunch? I want to hear more of your story. Give me your perspective. I don't have your perspective. That's just a thought. So Daniel listened and he discovered that the chief of staff had some really legitimate concerns. Maybe you should write these down because I'm going to kind of help you a little bit if I can. So he asked and then he listened. So don't argue. Stop it. Don't argue. You, you're going to want to argue. You're going to be tempted to argue. You're going to say, but, 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 but. No, no, no. This is, so what do you do here? Listen. Don't argue. Don't confront. My wife is a professional question asker. I got to come up with a term for that. I'll make something up next time. I'll just make up a word. She's awesome. One of the things that I sit back, especially in the early years of ministry, you know, we would go to the, you know, visit, you know, back in the day, you know, when you used to go to somebody's house, which was awkward for everybody, can I just say? You know, everybody's, whoa, preacher's here. You're scared to death. Your child's going to cuss. You know, you just know something's going to come out. And then there we are to lord over you and to tell you, sinner, you know. My wife, my wife would go with me, and I would sit there and smile because I would think, man, watch her go. And you know what she did? She never, had a, she never talked about herself. Y'all should have a conversation with my wife. She's awesome. But I'll tell you what she'll do. She's not going to focus on herself. She's going to want to talk about you. She's a professional. 
you should ask questions, lots and lots of questions. You should, you should take a pad. You should take notes. It's no good to ask the questions if you really don't care what the response is. Are, are you with me? So you're not just asking questions to be nice. You're asking for clarification. Are, are you with me? So, and so sometimes clarification, you can take a note. You can say, it's okay. You ask the question. You can say, wait, 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 wait. So this is what I heard. Is that what you're saying? Make sure that you write. The clarif- for clarification, take notes. Know what they mean by what they say. And then can I just say this is empathize where you can. Nod in agreement where you can. When there's a time, when there's an appropriate time, you can look at him and say, you know what, I, I get that, I understand. That, that makes sense to me. I don't see anybody right now. This is awesome. Let me tell you how you end the conversation. You end the conversation, something, something like this. You know, after our conversation, I can see where this request could be tough. You have some legitimate concerns. You, you really do. And let me just say, I don't want to hurt you. I, I don't want to get you in trouble with your boss. And I don't want to hurt the company. That's, listen, that's not, if, if the company's not here, guess what? I don't have a job. I can't provide for my family. I want this company to succeed. So if it's okay with you, can, we, can you just give me maybe a few days? I've taken some notes. I've tried to listen well. I've tried to make sure where I understood where your concerns were. Can you just like give me a few days maybe to get back with you? And then you end the conversation. So how do you, how do, you, how do, you do this? How do you navigate this? You ask questions. You ask questions. You listen. And then here's the last thing that you do. And I love this. And I love it that it's in the Bible. You offer up a plan. Yeah, Listen, you don't think we've been criticized over the years? Are you kidding me? You, you have no idea. Those first few years, we knew we were messing up. People come say, I can't believe y'all do so-and-so. And I've said, I can't either. It's one of the dumbest things we've ever done. Have you got a solution? No. I go, well, you're no better than we are. You're as dumb as we are. I don't need criticism. I need solutions. Help me. That's exactly what Daniel did. I love this. Look at what he says, verse 12. Hey, go, please just test us for 10 days. Test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water. At the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to all the other guys who were eating wine, drinking wine and eating the meat. Just just compare. And make your decision. I love this. Make your decision in light of what you see. I'm not here to hurt you. I'm not. I don't want to see your head on a chopping block. That's not my intent at all. I don't want to do you harm. I don't want to do your family harm. And here's the thing. I'm giving you a a no way to lose situation here. I'm going to offer you up this plan. And and so just see what happens at the end of this 10 days. You know what? If it doesn't work, I'll go back. I'll do what you want me to do. 
The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion. Well, I guess he did. What did he have to lose? Nothing. He never threatened the official's authority or control. He respected authority. That's a biblical principle that we certainly don't know anything about in today's culture. He respected his authority. He, he, well, he's not a Christian. He doesn't follow Jesus. You respect authority. And that's what he did. There was no ultimatum. And committing to this 10-day trial, really, there was nothing for him to lose. And so what he learned through all of that was the bottom line, he just, it was about performance. It had nothing to do with his diet. I'm not against your worshiping God, and I'm not against your dietary issues. I wonder, I wonder if your employer's primary concern as well is about performance. And maybe you serve the worst boss in the world, okay? He's the devil himself. Well, then get out. But what, but what if, if it's about production? What if you could offer a better way? So I bet you're wondering how things turned out for Daniel. Well, it's the Bible. And so you know it turned out Super. Well, it doesn't always, to be honest with you, but this time it does. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the other young man who had eaten the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and the wine provided for the others. And watch this. God gave, man, this is awesome. God gave these four men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. And I bet you're thinking, that's a sweet little Bible story there, Pastor. But I live in the real world. So you don't think this will work? Really? I like biblical principles, man. I'm like right out of the Word. You don't think it'll work? Not with your boss? Well, I want to share with you the story of a man who lives in the real world, just like you. Not in the easy ministry world, stress-free that I live in. <laughs> I just lost David. <laughs> Somebody pick him up. He, he fainted. <laughs> who did, I want you to hear the, the story of, of, of Sam Parent, who's just awesome. Listen to him tell his story. Sam, you're actually a real man living in the real world who really had a Daniel-like experience. Can you tell me about that? Uh, sure. I guess to start out, um, I would have to say that I work a production job, work at a factory. Um, so I'm kind of locked into a schedule. Um, can't work from home, can't work remotely. So um, when I first started working there, I worked four tens, four ten-hour days. Monday through Thursday, um, and with my family, my wife working full time, two little kids, um, you know, it was it was interesting to get home late in the evening and still try to to do life, um, just with a busy work schedule and everything like that. Um, three day weekends seemed like a really nice thing, only we never got them. You know, a lot right. of the, a lot of the time it was supposed to be not necessarily mandatory overtime, but highly suggested that you should come in. You know, be a 
be a company man, pick up the slack. You know, we need to work production. Um, so you're building momentum then. So you're yeah. building momentum. You're doing a great job yes. at work. Yeah. Things are going well, so you go from four tens, but then they also want to roll that into because you're doing an excellent job. Yes, sir. Um, and yeah, just through the process of of talking it out, praying about it, um, talking to a few friends, asking wisdom on on the situation, um, I was able to to go to my supervisor and then ultimately the the plant manager. And uh, I had a plan. I had a suggestion. Um, at the end of the day, I want it to be mutually beneficial to both of us. So I was able to um, to give him the idea that if we could try it out for a couple of weeks or a month, if I could switch to working five eight-hour days, what they would get is they'd get an extra person that they wouldn't have to pay overtime rate on Fridays. So it worked out good for them. They saved money. It worked out good for me. It let me go home two hours early, which... You know, definitely helped out with the family and, and life and everything like that. And uh, it, I've been doing it ever since. It's it's really worked out. So you didn't have to go in, throw down the Christian gauntlet, ride in on the white Christian horse. No. <laughs> with Jesus across your chest saying it's going to be my way or the highway. You went in and you offered up a plan to say, let's let's test this out and see if it's the best thing for the company. And it's, know it's going to be the best thing for me. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome, and it worked out. It did, praise God. So how long has that been? Uh, it's been three years. Awesome, three years. Your boss is happy. Yes. You're happy. Absolutely. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate you sharing your story. My pleasure. If you, if you don't know Sam Parent, you should get to know him. He's a, he's a big man. And let's be honest, he is a little intimidating, isn't he? He's one of the most godly people I know. He's, he's one of the most gentle, kind, humble. And I, I was thinking, I've, I've watched this video, I don't know, my goodness, I've probably watched it a half a dozen times anyway. And, and every time I watch it, it's, it's like there's another nugget. And Sam's known for that, by the way, for those of us that know him, is it like he speaks. And you go, whoa, let me write that down. You know, Samisms. I don't know. We should come up with something. And he just speaks out of out of humility. He speaks so much wisdom, and there was so much wisdom in that. And I assume we'll probably post that online. You should just go back and listen to it and take notes. Listen to it again. Take notes. Listen to it again and take notes. I wanted you to hear a story because this works. It's never wrong to do the right thing. There are principles that are laid out for us in in Scripture. And if we'll just follow those principles. Am I saying it's going to work out that well for you? No. And I'm not telling you to throw down the gauntlet. I'm not telling you to quit your job, walk out in a huff. I'm saying back away. Give God opportunity to work. And maybe, maybe for you, this will be tough. Maybe for you it's to stay. Because maybe God has you there to be an influence. And so, and so I've known where sometimes that's the situation and God says, nah, I just want you here for just, just for a while, just for a season. There are other times when God will say, okay, you know what, you, you did your part. And so I'm going to, you were an influence there, I'm going to move you on somewhere else. But you'll find the truth in all of that through, through prayer, through other people praying for you, for you seeking out wisdom, for you gently, calmly navigating 
as you listen to his voice. As a follower of Jesus, here's the bottom line. You got a decision to make. You just got to make a decision. You got to make a decision based on convictions. And just just make your make sure your convictions are based on truth, not some weird something you was told coming up as a kid. Make sure it's based on actual Bible. Y'all with me? There's nothing worse to look stupid. Say, well, God, Jesus said, and then realize he never said that. Take your time. Make sure that your convictions are based on truth. And then you're going to have to decide who deserves your most valuable resource. That's your time. Maybe here this morning you're not a follower of Jesus. And maybe you just walk in here going, this is like the weirdest church, you know. I was geared up to hear some message on, so you mean like God cares about my life? Like, you know, like where I work and the influence that I can have? Yes, He does. He cares about your family. If you weren't here last week, you should go back and just walk you through Colossians 3, several verses in Colossians where he talks about the importance of family and our deep conviction to make family a top priority. And maybe you're thinking, that's just not the God I grew up knowing. I'm sorry. This is who he is. So I think I have the easiest job in the world. I really do. I get to stand up here every week, and then when I just tell you who God is, like, who in the world would say no? How can you turn that down? That he's going to love you in spite of, not because of. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you're from, your great list of sins. See, what God said is, I want a relationship with you so, so much that I'm willing to do everything to make it possible. So God said, I'll send my son, who lived a perfect life, and somebody has to pay the penalty for sin. And so God said, I'm going to send my son. And Jesus said, so I'm going to be willing to go to, the, to a Roman cross. I'm going to literally allow them to beat me almost to death. Throw me on a Roman cross, drive three nails in my naked body, and then hang me suspended before heaven and earth. And people will hurl insults at me. They'll make fun of me. They'll laugh. They'll spit, literally. They'll spit in my face. And I want a relationship with you so much. I'm willing to do that just so that we can have this relationship. You, you can't do it on your own, right? That's why your life's a mess. You've tried to be good enough. But it's never enough. So Jesus died on the cross. On the third day, he was raised from the dead and he's alive. So what you need to know, my life is a mess. What do, you, what do I need to do? How do I get right with God? Just to accept what Jesus did. It's just that easy. And again, how, how in the world could you possibly say no? That's why I think people get saved here every week. That's why people, that's why people think, pray that prayer, they give their lives to Jesus. Because really, like, it's the only thing that makes any sense at the end of the day. Like, how in the world could you say no? It's like I got a million dollars. It's yours. Who would say no? And this is better than that. His love will never end. 
So if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus and you'd like to be, every head is bowed and every eyes closed. Maybe you would pray a prayer, something like this, just quietly, silently, right there in your seat. Maybe you'd say, Jesus, I am fully aware that I'm a sinner. My life's a mess. Things in my life are so crazy, mixed up, out of order. I know what I need is your forgiveness. I want to thank you for dying on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And I believe that you are exactly who you say you are. And I believe that you're alive. Not dead, but you're alive. And I need you living in me. So to the best of my ability, I just want to surrender my life to you. Thanking you for your forgiveness. Thanking you for the kind of love that I can't even wrap my brain around. You're awesome. Lord, thank you for... uh, you, you are amazing, Lord. I do think I have the easiest job in the world, Lord. I get to tell people about you. Not, not just on Sundays, Lord. Uh, I, I get to do it almost every day. I, I, I get to watch as the lights come on for people from a spiritual standpoint, Lord. And For the first time, they understand the kind of love that they've never been able to, well, they've been searching for, they've been looking for, they've tried to find it in mere humans, and now suddenly, Lord, they watch the lights go on and they, they, although they can't fully comprehend it, they're just blown away by your love and your mercy and your grace. Thank you for allowing us to do what we do. And thank you for your word, God, that is just awesome. God, it just gives so much direction and clarity for everyday living. And we just want to tell you that we love you. It's in your sweet name we pray.